0: Ever be Toy Story 4 delivers a cinematic grand slam. I was made to help a child. Touching, funny, adventurous, and profound, says CNN. Aw, oh,
1: Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue.
0: The Los Angeles Times says Toy Story 4 will blow you away in ways you won't
1: be expecting. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story 4, rated G. For your consideration in all categories there's like that that pressure of like what it means to be black what it means to have to carry the burdens of your community is it fair is it not fair is it something we've moved beyond or is it something that's still very present for me it's something that's incredibly present mm-hmm. right but as i see younger people making these bold and wonderful choices and saying like you know what this one is for me and that's okay um, There's as many ways to be black as there are black people in America. It's just really interesting to see it all, like four different people, all African American, but all expressing their blackness in different ways.
0: Everyone and welcome to episode fourteen of the fourth wall. I am your host Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals, ranging from directors, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find our weekly film discourse show discussing the latest releases, along with our other shows such as Indie Beat, Be Real, and much more. Whatever your fix is, we got you covered over there. It is the week of Thanksgiving and I couldn't think of a more appropriate guest for this episode. He is America's father on the hit TV show This Is Us. You all know him, you all love him, and he also happens to play a father in the indie phenomenon Waves, which I've been gushing about to no end. I am talking about Sterling K. Brown. Many of you will know Sterling for his portrayal as Randall Pearson in the NBC drama series This Is Us, for which he won an Emmy for Outstanding Lead in a drama series, a Golden Globe for Best Actor in Television Series Drama, and a SAG Award for Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Drama Series. He also earned another Emmy for his portrayal of prosecutor Christopher Darden in the FX series The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Given how naturally he fits into these fatherly roles, we discussed how becoming a father in real life has helped influence these performances. We also discussed how some of his personal experiences not only helped shape his character in Waves but how it shaped the overall narrative as well. He talks about the pressures of black excellence and how Waves addresses those issues and of course it's Waves so we got to bring up that incredible soundtrack and Sterling talks about his reaction to listening to these incredible tunes. This was an awesome interview thoroughly enjoyed talking to sterling truly one of the nicest guys on the planet and uh, gave such insightful answers that i can't wait to share with all of you so without further ado here is my conversation with sterling k brown you are such a fatherly figure just in everything that you seem to do and yes, yeah. your enthusiasm with your kids i have to imagine that that becoming a father sort of has has seeped into your work in a way that it gives you something else to sort of draw upon, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think I'm a different I'm a different actor since becoming a dad. Yeah. Um it's so cliché, dude. Like people say it to you all the time. Like parents will be like, "You think you know what love is." But when that child comes into the world and and you're right. Like like I thought I knew what love was. And love is a beautiful thing. And then you see this child. And it's, it's like nothing you've ever felt in your entire life. And then you have a new sort of appreciation for your parents. Because I don't think we as children can ever love them the way that they love us. Right. Um, because you asked for them. You're like, can I, can I have the privilege of sort of helping you through the world? Um, and so as a dad now and as a person who lost his dad early on in life, being a dad is the most rewarding thing that I could have ever hoped for. I Listen, I had moments in college where my friends, I would tell my best friends, I was like, look, I think I'm ready for a kid. And they're like, what? And you're like you're 18. I'm like I know. I'll just strap them to my back, and I'll take them to like office hours, and we'll get like you know private like housing like in graduate school housing. And they're like, yeah. why don't you start with a dog, <laughs> and we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah. So you've really you've really just always been like that has been one of your 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 goals in life is to just to be a, a good well not this yeah I guess to be a good father for for your kids. It's always been like something on your your mind. I take it.
1: You know what. Yeah. I, I think I was so profoundly affected by my dad. Yeah. Um and felt so wholly loved by him. I was looking forward to just pouring that kind of love into other human beings. Mm-hmm. I like I I also knew that like life is about evolving and becoming the most highly realized version of yourself. And for some reason or another I knew that fatherhood was my path that I couldn't reach my fullness outside of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but it is. No, but th- I mean that's that's interesting
0: though because you get. I, I I feel like you probably have a more well-rounded understanding of of Ronald in in this film um, than I guess other people would because you can understand where he's coming from, but he almost takes his his parenting and uh, and protection a little too far. Sure. Um, but then you you, you talked about being, like evolution is such a huge part of, of being a yeah. good parent. And that's definitely something we see him go through in the film as well.
1: Amen, dude. Like there is, first of all, as a parent, you're scared for your children all the time. You try not to make decisions based in that fear. Like you live with the fear, but try not to make the decisions from that place. Right. right? But you're talking about a man who lost his first wife to a drug overdose and was left to raise a couple of children on his own. Um, was probably terrified. Right. While doing so, found a woman to share his life with again, and Catherine, played elegantly by uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry. But now you know how tenuous it is, how, how fragile family can be. And you're raising a young black boy in Florida, and you know that life may not be appreciated the same way in the form of a young black boy that it is appreciated in other people. Right. So you wanna keep him safe. And more than anything, you want to give him the tools to be excellent because otherwise people may write him off um, as being not worth the investment. And so you say you gotta be twice as good to get just as far. You cannot fall short in the same way that other people can because your mistakes are a reflection upon not just yourself but your family and your community at large. And as, as a dude who was raised in a similar way, There can be a a lot of pressure, Mm -hmm. but it's also a real truth, especially when you're sort of a raisin in the sun going to schools where you may be one of a few African-Americans and recognizing that people are watching you. Right. And how you manage to navigate this particular terrain may affect whether or not other people receive the same sorts of opportunities later on in life. And it's something I'm still very cognizant of today. Yeah, Yeah. I think though, you got to allow the space for your children to be heard and to know that their voices are appreciated and that you can speak back. You can have a rebuttal. You can have a conversation and you don't fear losing your father's love. You don't fear losing your dad's appreciation. I don't think Ronald created that space for two-way learning between father and son. It was like my way or the highway. Yeah, exactly. Until the tragedy does transpire in the film, And then you see with his daughter, out of necessity more than anything else, that he has to find another way of being if he wants his daughter to share what's going on in her life. And he knows to a certain extent because he knows how he feels and that this is one of the only other people in the world who could possibly understand what we're going through. That like, I need to talk to somebody. And it's only in my opening up and sharing what's going on in my life that I also give permission to her to do the same.
0: Right. Well, and yeah. I think I think it brings it specifically that that scene yeah. with, between you and Taylor, uh, which is beautiful. I that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the year. It was just beyond moving. Thanks. And, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was one of those scenarios where it's like it really puts forth the message that some, you know, it's not always the uh, the 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 kids that you know need to rely on their parents or stuff like that you know sometimes the parents do need that that connection from their their kids too and i i I know your kids are younger but is that something that you started to kind of
1: uh sense in your own life absolutely like so i have two kids two boys eight and four andrew and amari and it's interesting the depth of conversation that i can find myself having with an eight-year-old sometimes. yeah like we go there Like, about race, about relationships, about all kinds of stuff. And he has insight. Wow. Like, at one point in time, he told me, like, my wife and I will go to couples therapy from time to time. And he said, I think you guys need to go to therapy. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, because I feel like you do better and you're happier after you go to therapy than if you go too long without it. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who is this kid? Oh, my God. Yeah, We constantly underestimate the youth, but they absorb and bear witness to all of it, and it all lands on them in a really profound way. And when you give them permission to reflect it back to you, you get a chance to learn something. Yeah, Because yeah. we don't know what we're blind to unless somebody brings it to our attention, and our children, who live under the same roofs with us, who we often dismiss, are waiting. Are waiting for the opportunity to be like, "Hey, man, I think you can do better." Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the well. That's the thing. They usually, um, just from my own experiences, having a cousin with younger your younger kids, it's amazing. You're right. The the insight and the, they're able to speak without a filter, which yeah. I think there's there's always truth to what they're saying, and it, it really makes you. Think back on like you know maybe how you were looking at things and it's always been just something that's blown my mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, dude. I I because I remember feeling as if people weren't hearing me as a kid. Like I can remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can always like you guys think you know everything, but you don't. And I have opinions and stuff. And so Ronald is that hard nosed dude. Is this is somebody illuminated to me to this earlier in the day? Like he's in construction. Yeah. And so there's a regiment to construction. It doesn't happen willy nilly. You got to have blueprints. You got to have permits. You have to have a plan. And so he has a plan for his son. And then his son deviates from the plan. And his son knows that he deviates from the plan. And he doesn't know how to share that with his dad. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's okay to have a plan. But you also have to know, you have to create the space for your child to say like, hey, I think this isn't working. I think we may need to try something different, and I know I've fallen short. And please love me still. Yeah, yeah. Like they gotta know they're gonna be loved, even if they deviate from the plan.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, and the other thing that's um, interesting about it, and and obviously this is purposefully done, but like in the first half, we don't really get a, a whole lot of um, Emily, and specifically yeah. you are in Emily's relationship sure. until the second half. Um, and I'm I'm curious, was that? Um, I mean, obviously, it, it serves a, a purpose. But do you think that Ronald's relationship with Emily just overall was very distant until uh, until the tragedy happened, and he had to
1: really, you know, rethink what he was doing? I think it's probably more surface. Like she's very quiet and very introspective. I think I can catch myself in this. Like you know, I as the dad will deal with the boys, and like the mom will probably you know take care of sure. like that sort of thing um and so he's the more tyler's the more gregarious outgoing he's expressed an interest to his dad to i want to work with you i want to train with you could you help me be the best and he's like i can do that like i know those sorts of things like i'm comfortable in this wheelhouse and even mm-hmm. me sterling will recognize when it's time to play dress up or it's time to play like you know tea party or whatever and I don't have any girls, but I do have <laughs> yeah. friends with girls. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, this is a different muscle to exercise, right? And that I need a little bit more help in exercising that intuitive nature, right? So he's like, I can deal with this boy. I know what to do. In my mind, right. I know what to do here. Over here, not quite so certain. But that doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been present, right? Right. Uh, and so I think he does kind of, like, he has that conversation argument with his wife where she's like what you been doing like i've been dealing with this you, you come in and play good time dad or whatever but like the heavy lifting you've left to me yeah and so now that that disconnect has happened and he literally has nobody else to talk to he's like all right i'm sorry
0: yeah he's yeah he's kind of he's you're right he's kind of backed into a corner in a way yeah. but it ends up uh bettering him moving forward
1: absolutely yeah yeah for sure yeah
0: um one of the things that i found really interesting about this film in general was while it's, while a lot of it is like autobiographical from Trey's standpoint, um, I, I knew he worked a lot with, with Kelvin to, to bring in, to weave into, uh, the story, like some of Kelvin's own personal Absolutely. experiences. And it was like with each person that was added to the cast, they kind of brought a little bit of their own, uh, experience to the table. So I'm curious for, for you yeah. when you were brought on, what was, uh, what, what were the th- ideas and things
1: that you wanted to bring to the table? here? Uh, I think that, I think both Kelvin and Taylor, like, I don't like to use that we're of a different generation because we're only 18 years apart. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is a generational gap or not, I'm not sure. But I love that they're both in interracial couples and that the dad is not. that, And so that sort of represents, like, they've decided to go in a different way consciously or unconsciously, like they've had the permission to be like, oh, you know what? It's not about race, dad. You know what I'm saying? It's like who I love is who I love and that sort of thing. Where I don't know if that existed in the minds of these parents at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were other sorts of ramifications with dating interracially that I feel like uh, the younger generation is trying to be like, that shit is played. We've moved beyond that. And I think in a lot of ways, they're like, that shit is played. We've moved beyond that in terms of like whether or not they live in a post racial society where race is always very much in the forefront of my consciousness i don't think it's necessarily there for the kids until like certain things happen like when when uh, tyler takes alexis to the abortion clinic yeah right yeah. like he's confronted at a moment when she calls in the n word and he's like what the fuck you say yeah and like he's like sort of like in the moment is like you know Get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Um, because that's not something that's necessarily thrown in his face all the time. He right. has a very sort of cosmopolitan group of friends, but every once in a while, America will reflect back to you that, like, whether you feel like it or not, I'd see you as this thing. Um, so I felt like that was an interesting thing. This is more backstory type of stuff, but it does sort of represent why people have a tough time understanding one another. Mm -hmm. Because each generation sort of goes through an evolution of the time that is unique to their time. And it's like, when I was a kid, it was like this. And they're like, yeah, dude, but you were a kid a long time ago. Now it's like this. Yeah. He says one time. He says, like, you know, if you want to keep going around with your little girlfriend or something like that. And it wasn't like an overt sort of like, you know, thing. But he was like, I'm wanting you to know, like, I see you ain't dating no sisters or whatnot. Uh, And like, you know, you're going to play around with these little girls for the time being. And then hopefully you'll come back to your senses. Right. Like there's sort of that element that's that's at play as well. Um, But there is like that that pressure of like what it means to be black what it means to have to carry the burdens of your community. Is it fair, is it not fair? Mm -hmm. Is it something we've moved beyond or is it something that's still very present? For me, it's something that's incredibly present, Mm -hmm. right? But as I see younger people making these bold and wonderful choices and saying like, you know what? This one is for me and that's okay. Um, There's as many ways to be black as there are black people in America it's just really interesting to see it all like four different people all African American but all expressing their blackness in different ways. Right. It, yeah. it it was like it
0: was you're right. It was giving a voice to so many different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. You know, while yet you're right. While they all are African American, yeah. it was you know, uh, Emily expressed herself differently than totally. Tyler and, totally. and the parents as well. Yeah. Um but I, I do want to go back to the the uh the pressures that that are on you know young African Americans growing up in in a society like sure. this, what is what is the answer? How how do we you know kind of move past that like a little bit? So
1: I had this kind of my wife had a really astute observation. So credit to Ryan Michelle Bethay, and she was saying something to the effect that real success for a community is when they're given the ability to fail. And other people are still given opportunities after them. Like, for such a long time, it was like, if we open a movie that's a black movie and it doesn't do well, then it makes it that much harder for the next black film to get greenlit, right? Like, whereas you can see shitty movies with white people in them all the time, and there'll be more and more and more and more shitty movies. Yeah. So it's like, there's this idea that, like, are we to the place now where we can release something and not do as well as we wanted it to, but it doesn't mean that Hollywood loses the appetite to tell stories that are racially, culturally specific to the African-American experience. Maybe we're getting there. Mm. Maybe. Hopefully my movie will not be a testing ground for that theory. <laughs> I hope not either. Hopefully yeah, we yeah. do all right. But like the the openness and ability to fail... And still get a second chance—that feels like a really good place to begin from in terms of like what does it mean to move beyond that idea that like I have to be twice as good to make it just as far. Yeah. No, I think that's that's incredibly spot on, and you're right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I do want to talk about the um, the integration of music in the film because I thought I was—I mean, it's it's like a character as much as Absolutely. the other characters in it. Yeah. Um, and I read that that the the script for this film, or I was I was actually talking to Trey about it. The script was interactive, so as you were reading it, like this music was playing to help you get into the uh, the moments. The mind
1: space of the character, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So, what was that experience like? And uh, for you, I guess, like, what were what was some of the, what were some of the tracks that like resonated with you the most? So after I list
1: after I read the script and listened to it. I wound up like buying all the music and putting it on my iPad and it became like my workout yeah. like, soundtrack, right? Yeah. Especially like the first half of the film. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's so kinetic and it's so immersive and visceral, right? And then even when I watched the movie, like when my man, when Kelvin starts singing the... Uh, the Kendrick Lamar joint mm-hmm. with like the the, the bonfire oh on the beach God. playing in the yeah. background, and you just see like this. And then when he goes to the party, and you got the Kanye West playing, and you're just like, oh, this shit is not gonna go well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's all the yeah, it's all there. Not gonna go yeah. well.
1: Like it, it's so like Trey's connection to music um is is very visceral and then how he's able to flip it in the second half of the film and it becomes much more languid and much more fluid and i hopefully the audience gets a chance to breathe a little bit Mm -hmm. like they see this really healthy relationship developing and like two people who are not so combative with one another but are actually interested in finding out about each other um, and the music feels more peaceful. So, yeah. Some people tell me, like, they're not able to relax because they're still worried, like, is it going to be, like, part two? Like, is the right, other hue right. going to drop from the first half of the film? Um, but, like, I can't imagine having read it without the music now because having the music there made me feel their perspective so acutely yeah. that it would have been incomplete without it.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I I couldn't <clears throat> agree more. I mean, especially at the end when uh, like Radiohead's playing and something, yeah. like and it's just that ending montage. It's it's beautiful. But uh, I believe we're out of time. <laughs> right listen, on, know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Uh, listen, thank you so much, Sterling. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. Well, there you have it, guys. That was my conversation with Sterling K. Brown, truly an honor. He is one of my favorite actors working today and continues to take on interesting roles. He's really spreading his wings in terms of what he's interested in tackling and and the projects. I mean, he's in animated movies now. He's got Frozen 2 out. He's doing stuff like Waves. He's got stuff like Black Panther under his belt. Honestly, one of the most talented actors working today and his role in Waves especially is worthy of awards recognition. He is outstanding in that film. And so if you haven't seen Waves yet, here is your PSA once again to go seek that film out. It's expanded to more theaters, and it will continue to expand in the coming weeks. Go see it. It's one of the most emotionally moving films of the year. And if you haven't listened to my conversation with the director Trey Edward Schultz, go do so. It's a phenomenal conversation and the two of these make for great companion pieces. As I mentioned Waves is now playing in select theaters across the country and will continue to expand in the coming weeks. But the most important thing is I want to hear from you all and I want to know what your favorite Sterling K. Brown performance is down in the comment section below of wherever you're listening to this episode. Be sure as always to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network for more episodes of The Fourth Wall along with the rest of our diverse film-centric catalog and... If you want to go that extra mile, and you really want to make my day. It would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review, as it greatly helps the show out, helps us get noticed, and it allows me to know what you're all loving and what you want to see more of. I don't have a next guest lined up just yet, but in the coming weeks, hopefully, I'll be getting you some interviews with the geniuses behind A24's uncut gems. So you have that to look forward to in December. But until then, if you you like me specifically and you like what I have to say you can give me a follow on twitter at Griff Schiller all right hopefully you all have a great holiday weekend and I will catch you for another episode next time take care